You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, good morning and welcome to Riverview Church Online. This is message two of our new series, Church Redefined. Now, to be clear, this is not about us trying to invent a new version of church, but really to kind of have a revision of what it could or should be, to redefine what it is when so much of what we've been comfortable with and familiar with has just been washed away over these last six months. Now, last week, we looked at the ways in which we could face identity crisis, either as individuals or as the church, unless, of course, we have a bedroom a firm foundation, clear anchor points to keep us secure. And if you missed that message, then you can go back and watch that one and Andrew's before it. It'll be in the video section on Facebook or on YouTube as well. But to briefly recap, we noted that the security of our identity is found in the fact that Jesus is the builder. He's still working and will finish what he started. We'll look at a bit of that today. Uh, He is the firm foundation, the, the bedrock of our faith, and that we are his, his precious and beloved bride, his people. And that because of that, his power and authority is at work in us. It's alive in us with resurrection power. We are the church. Our identity is more than a building, more than an address, more than a location. Because we are the building. It's us. That's who we are. And we are the bride. We are the church. That's where we're going to pick this up this morning. Hopefully today we'll kind of take that a little further, but also underline some of those points from last week. So we're going to dive straight into scripture now with 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 10 and that should come up in the comments section as well. 1 Peter 2 verses 4 to 10. Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. 
fantastic uh, section of scripture there about the church and I mean talk about identity like once we were not and had not but now we are and we have and this is what we are a holy nation a chosen people the people of God and his special possession now this means that God has taken us from alienation into belonging from being on the outside of like his people and therefore outside of his promises uh, and now he has made us an integral grafted in loved valued and cherished part of that building of that people we are his his royal priesthood his holy nation his chosen people and special possession and we're being built into his spiritual house which is kind of like the new temple uh, and into his holy uh, his holy priesthood which is like the new priestly structure or hierarchy and now it involves everybody not just the elite we are church and look at this while we are already a holy nation in Christ a chosen people a special possession we are being built into the spiritual house it's an ongoing process do you see that there's something that we are and there's something that we are becoming we are already a royal priesthood that's like identity but we're being made into a holy priesthood so really what this is talking about is it's saying we're already identified as his that's the royal robes that we don't deserve but he's put on us but we are being made into the image of Christ we're being sanctified in other words we're being shaped to fit the mold that he has put us in already he's still working on me on you on the church he is still building he is still constructing his spiritual house now Honestly, I am in no way informed as a builder. I have zero clue about things like this. The extent of my DIY expertise, I think, is probably just about changing a light bulb. And even then, it really depends upon the type of light bulb that I have to change. But I am pretty sure that every permanent building has or, or should have three kind of key components. Now, I might be wrong about that. Maybe there's more, maybe there's less. That's just how I see it. And forgive me for any odd terminologies or things like that. But the first thing I think that is essential is a preferred material. You have to decide what you're going to make your building out of, whether it be bricks, whether it be breeze blocks, stone, wood, concrete, whatever it is. The second thing is that you have deep enough kind of foundations, strong enough foundations, something to build upon. Uh, and we looked at that a bit last week and we'll touch upon that today. And then the third thing is a support structure, like a framework, something to provide strength and stability to the walls to kind of bear the load as, as the building goes up. Now, the church as a spiritual building is no different. So I want to spend just a few moments today looking at those three things. And the first thing is the preferred material. Now, we know from the passage we've just read that God's preferred material is living stones. Now, park that for a second, you know. I think there's something really beautiful about stone buildings and dry stone walls. I think they seem to complement, particularly the walls, they seem to complement the landscape as well as being really strong and purposeful and kind of practical. And 
the thing is, a dry stone wall isn't just a stack of stones, like, piled randomly on top of one another. To be fair, that's probably how I would do a dry stone wall. <laughs> that kind of wall is unstable. The stones cannot support one another. It's likely to collapse. And therefore, at best, it's just useless and purposeless. But at worst, it's dangerous because it could topple over with kind of crushing force. Now, a stonemason or a builder of a dry stone wall will take time to carefully select and shape each individual stone so that it fits correctly and becomes part of the strength of the wall. It forms part of the support and it also therefore becomes part of the beauty of the whole thing. And we are living stones. See yourself in that kind of analogy now. We are his preferred material to build the church with. So you are a stone that God is building into a spiritual building. Now, he's the one who selects each one of us uniquely for a place in that building in which he intends. But he also uniquely crafts each one of us for that purpose, chipping away so that we fit properly. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to briefly note in this section about the materials. And the first thing to note is that a stone on its own is just a stone. That's it. And what I mean by that is there's no such thing as a Christian who is independent of the church. It just doesn't exist. It's an oxymoron. Also, bear in mind that a stone just out there in a the field on its own can become a trip hazard. And when we alienate ourselves from the church, we, we actually become like counterproductive to what God is doing and what God is saying. It's as though we are saying to God, I don't like the way that you, the master builder, are building this building. So I'm going to build it my way to my specifications. And by going it alone, we actually cause ourselves and others around us to trip up. And then similar, the second thing I want you to note here is that a stone does not choose the other stones around it. That's the stonemason's job. The stone itself neither has the knowledge nor the skills nor the right to choose which stones surround it in the wall. And the Pharisees in the passage above, they were building the, the temple to their own specifications. They were building religion to their own specifications rather than God's. And this meant that they rejected Jesus like the perfect cornerstone. And consequently, he becomes the stumbling block to them. It is God who is building the house, not us. So we don't get to reject the bits that we dislike that he brings to us in his plans. And we don't get to reject the stones that we dislike that he seeks to put in around us. You know, the people around us forming part of this spiritual building are placed by God. They are chosen. They are precious. They are valued. They are loved in every bit as much as you and I. And whether we find it easy to love them and we find joy in being around them or we find them kind of annoying or frustrating or just plain weird, which sometimes we see a lot of that, you know, they are placed by God and he is pleased with them as he is pleased with you and they are still being shaped by him being built into that spiritual house as are you 
as am I. So we need to spare a little bit of patience and kindness for those who are being shaped around us because, well, wouldn't we want them to extend the same kind of kindness and understanding and courtesy to us? And here's a thought. What if all those frustrations, as we kind of butt up against each other, as we kind of sharpen up each other, what if all of those frustrations and hurts and annoyances and trials were really the master builder, God himself, taking his tools to shape us into something better, something more purposeful, suitable and beautiful, like iron sharpening iron? The the third thing that I want to note here is that a stone doesn't place itself. It doesn't choose where it goes in the wall. Now, when we try to place ourselves within the spiritual building, kind of where we think we want to be or where we think we should be, without listening, without obedience, without accountability, kind of by trying to force ourselves into a space that God never intended for us, we actually create the potential to hinder or do damage to ourselves, but also to those around us. We need to stop seeing roles within the body of Christ as being like some kind of holy conquest or target or like a career progression ladder or something like that. Now, at the end of Andrew's uh, text that he read from a couple of weeks ago, Paul says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? The thing is, you are a living stone that God is building into his building, into his spiritual building. And he is the one that selects each one of us uniquely to place in that building where he deems it's right to place us. And he equips us as is right for that place. He uniquely crafts each one of us and uniquely gifts each one of us for that purpose. And we are individually, yes, we are living stones individually, but collectively we are the spiritual house. We are the spiritual building. We are the preferred building material that God is using. We are church. Now, the strength of the church is in its people, not simply its leaders or shepherds or whatever, but in its people. Now, the second thing I mentioned was that a building has to have deep foundations. We kind of covered this uh, last week, but a permanent building must have suitable, strong enough, deep enough kind of foundations. And Paul talks about the church being built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, didn't I say last week that the foundation is Jesus, not the apostles and prophets, but Jesus himself? Well, yes. But my question would be, what foundation are the apostles and prophets built upon? Because we're built upon them. So it's a question of layers in the building. If any layer in a building is unstable, then the whole building is in danger of collapse. If if we're kind of like up here as a layer of living stones, then we are built upon the layer of those who came before us and they upon those who came before them. And if any of those layers through the building is weakened, the whole building is in danger of collapsing down, but not so with the true church that Jesus is building because it is correctly layered. It has deep foundations. If you go deep enough through those layers, you get to the apostles and prophets and then you get to Jesus himself. So the apostles and prophets are founded upon who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's the bedrock. That's the ultimate foundation. 
but he is so, so much more than that. Look at the rest of the verses in Ephesians where it says, built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. Paul goes on to say, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This spiritual house is the new temple where God dwells in his spirit. Now, the whole building is held together in him. It rises in him. It's being built together in him. So the strength of the church is in its people who are founded and grounded on the rock solid truth in Christ Jesus. He is all in all. He is the cornerstone, the basis of support structure. So let's go there to my final point, because I think foundations and support structures in a building are kind of intertwined. They're equally important. I mean, what would be the point of an excellent structure without a firm foundation? Or, or what would be the benefit of having great foundations if everything above ground was shoddily constructed and likely to kind of slide? Now, my brother lives in an older house on the banks of the River Severn. It regularly floods. And over the years, the, the building started to kind of lean. I mean, it's noticeable. You feel like you're walking uphill when you're going through the kitchen into the living room. And I guess at some point it was in danger of collapse because somebody has come along and just installed these massive metal rods all the way through the building from front to back in order to try and hold it together to stop it from toppling over at the higher levels and collapsing down. What do we have for the church that keeps this spiritual building of which we are part from just toppling over as it is built higher and as it gets further away from the foundation. Well, we actually have support structures that were put in place right from the early days of the church. In Acts, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So these support structures, there's actually four mentioned here. There's a couple more which we might look at in other weeks, but the four mentioned here are the apostles' teaching, like sitting under the word of God, listening to preaching of the word, sitting in scripture, in humility, listening to it, acting upon it, allowing God by his spirit to challenge and craft us through it. And the second structure is fellowship, the togetherness, the, the meeting together, the growing together as living stones, as a spiritual building, looking out for each other, bearing with one another, preferring each other to ourselves and loving each other with a deep commitment that has an action attached to it. 
And the third thing is breaking of bread, sharing the supper together that Jesus instituted and called for us to continue together. And this demonstrates our common unity in Christ, that togetherness through him, that we are set free and that by his stripes we are healed and by his blood we are cleansed. And the fourth thing is prayer. This is a priority that we come together in unity by which and through which we outwork his power and his authority and also his his will and his purposes in our lives, in our church and in our community. So teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. These things are immovables. If you remove any of these, you, you may have a weakened building. Or worse, a building that resembles church, but is not the church. Now, these things might look slightly different from church to church, but it's still important that they happen. And and listen, these things are really important to continue, even though they look different kind of right now in this season that we've been in. We listen to the teaching of the word online. We watch it on Facebook. We break bread together online in our own homes. We pray together on WhatsApp. We sing together on Zoom. And it's not ideal, but the importance is that we still do it together. We must do it together. You know, it may not be ideal or preferential, but it is still important. And remember, it won't stay this way. We will do these things together again in person, physically. This has been temporary. So these support structures might look slightly different right now from place to place and from time to time, but they are still there integrally, supportingly, instructingly, stabilizingly part of this spiritual house that God is building. So the strength of the church is in its people who are founded in Christ Jesus and who are continuing in its teaching, in fellowship, in breaking bread together and in prayer. So in wrapping up, we are the living stones of this spiritual building, this new temple built by him, being built by him upon his foundation and supported by structures that he has put into effect through the apostles and prophets. It's a building that is continuing to be built, that exists across cultures, across races, across times, across locations, across preferences and across styles. And even in the midst of a global pandemic or nations at war, this spiritual building cannot be destroyed by the environment. It cannot be stormed by force. It cannot be swept away by the storm. It cannot be silenced and it cannot be shaken and it cannot be closed. Look, we can't vacate the building. We are the building. We can't lock the doors of the building. We are the building. We bring his presence along with his power and authority into every building we enter and into every location that we step foot in. Now, the only way, and I'm closing here, the only way that the church doors can be closed and locked in our location is if it is locked down and closed down in our own lives. If we are closed down and locked up, if we don't engage, if we will not allow anybody in, if we won't take 
our place in the battle lines, if we will not speak Jesus in the streets and in our communities and take his good news of rescue from and forgiveness for sin, if we will not leave the building in order to reach others, that's when the church is really closed and locked. There is no other spiritual house. It is you and it is me together living stones in the wall of the the church that he is building, this spiritual house. We are church. We are meant to bring his presence, his power and his authority to every location that we step foot in. As vitally important as it is that we are able to be gathered together is that we are willing to be scattered so that the seeds of new life and hope for the lost in this town are spread throughout. And that is where we're going to pick this up next week. Bless you guys. We love you. We are church. Amen. Amen.